Well, now back to Psalm 32, and we um, want to focus our attention on, on verse 7. Let me read verses 6 and 7, and the focus of our attention will, attention will be verse 7 in particular. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, you, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I'm sure you've heard of Corrie ten Boom, and I'm sure you've heard of the book that she wrote with uh, two other writers uh, called The Hiding Place. And the hiding place of the title is, first of all, uh, referring to the physical place where Corey and her family hid uh, Jewish people during World War II to save them from uh, the Nazi oppression. So it refers to that, but it also is used in a metaphorical sense. It is used of the relationship that God sustains with his people, the relationship that you have with God if you're a Christian. Psalm 119, verse 114 says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. So God is a hiding place to his people, and uh, that uh, book is a wonderful history but it's also uh, a theological statement about the way in which God relates to his people. Now, Christians are blessed people. You know that from, well, many places in the Holy Scriptures. In this psalm, in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The, the blessedness that the Christian experiences is manifold. It's, it's multifaceted. Those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, their sins are forgiven, and they are destined for glory. And uh, we could expand at some length about the blessedness that we enjoy as Christians, but the focus tonight is on the fact that the Lord is our hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. If you can say that tonight, all is well with you. You'll be fine. When I was young in South Africa, we listened to the radio. We didn't have television, um, although most of the world did in South Africa for one reason or another. We didn't have television, and, but we had the radio and we had our imagination, so we listened to the radio. And, and one radio program, a serialized drama that I listened to uh, religiously, it's the only thing I did religiously in those days, it was a program entitled No Place to Hide. It was great. I still remember the names of the key characters. Mark Saxon. Anyone heard? No. Sergei Gromolko. My mind is full of useless trivia. 
These things are up there. These are the characters. And the sad uh, theme of the program was this, that aliens are amongst us. And aliens are slowly but surely taking over. Sometimes you still wonder whether that's the case or not. But they're taking over. And there is no place to hide. It's fabulous. Well, perhaps sometimes for Christians in the face of trials and tribulations, in the face of a world that sometimes seems to be going crazy and sometimes seems to be whirling out of control, sometimes you think there's no hiding place, there's no place to hide. But the fact of the matter is that's never the case with those of us who are Christians. You are my hiding place. And you will preserve me from trouble. And you surround me with songs of of deliverance. And that's the situation we're in as Christians. So we're going to think about this tonight. We're going to think about what kind of hiding place God is. And the first thing I want to say about God as our hiding place is that he's a necessary hiding place. He's a necessary hiding place. Now when... The psalmist says, when David says, you're a hiding place for me, he's not talking about a holiday retreat. He's not talking about some idyllic setting on uh, the shore of a lake with trees and boats and hammocks and all the rest. All the, the types of things that you would think about when you think of an idyllic setting. That's not what he's talking about as a hiding place. It's not a place you go to relax. It's a place you go to escape. It's a place you go to get away from something. Isaiah 32 verses 1 and 2 says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. So that's the idea. God is a shelter in the storm. That's the thing. You see, he's a hiding place that we really need. He's a necessary hiding place because we're in a storm. He is a shelter in a storm and a hiding place from the wind. And that's who the Lord is to his people. It's like a panic room. You know what a panic room is. Just a little while ago, uh, there was an English football player, soccer player, and uh, people broke into his home just as wife and children were there. And they, they ran to the panic room. And so they go into this room that is secure and sh- it shuts and, and nobody can get in. And so some houses have panic rooms. And, but that's a safe place. That, you don't go there for a holiday. You go there to be safe because you're in danger. Well, that's who the Lord is to us. He's a necessary hiding place. And we need a a place to get away from the danger because we face danger. Uh, We we face eternal danger. Just turn to Revelation 16, and you'll see there what God saves us from. uh, How God is a refuge to us. How he is a hiding place to us from this kind of extraordinary danger. We don't think about this danger. Perhaps we did when we were converted, but sometimes we just 
put that in the past and forget about it. But the fact of the matter is, God continues to be our refuge and our hiding place from eternal danger. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. Great hailstones, about hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of the hail, because the plague was so severe. God remembered Babylon. Babylon is man organized against God. It's the world. It's man fighting against God. It's man trying to build his own empire and exalt himself against God. And he seems to be doing all his will in this world. You look around and you see this. Babylon seems to be prospering everywhere in the world. But the Bible says God remembered Babylon. And he made sure that she would drink the cup of his holy and furious wrath right down to the dregs. He will judge. And it will be awful and hailstones will fall upon people. And they, it says elsewhere in Revelation, they will call on the mountains to, to fall upon them, to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. And it will not be able to hide them from him. What I'm saying to you is that God is our hiding place from that. God keeps us safe from that. That is what your future would be if not for God. How would you be able to put your head on the pillow tonight and sleep if you knew that was going to be your future and that was the inevitable end of your life? But because you're a Christian, you're okay. You've been saved. You've been rescued from that. Remember 1 Thessalonians 1.10 talks about Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. It is the wrath to come. It is the wrath that most certainly will come upon us. It is not indefinite. It is sure and certain and would inevitably fall upon you had not God been your hiding place. So yes, he's a necessary hiding place because of eternal danger. And he's a necessary hiding place because of temporal danger. This is a dangerous world in which we live as Christians. We, we are those who face all kinds of danger from the devil and from the world and even from our own flesh. We are those who are prone to wander. You remember the hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And when we drift off into bypath meadows, as Christian did in Pilgrim's Progress, we get into all kinds of trouble. 
Sometimes, remember again, Christian, he goes through the night and he walks and he's not able to see what's around him. But in the morning, he looks back and he sees how God has preserved him from all kinds of dangers, which he hadn't seen. He couldn't see it in the nighttime, but they were there and God was protecting him and God was looking after him. God was his hiding place, you see. And uh, it's the same with us. So many dangers we're not even aware of. The Lord protects us. We are prone to wonder. We're prone to, to drift from God, as David did. But God calls him back and draws him back with a band of love. And God sends a Nathan, and God sends affliction and brings us home. Well, what happens then when we are convicted and when God speaks into our ear through a Nathan, what do we do? What does a sinning believer do? If you've drifted some in terms of your Christian life and you've fallen into sin, what do you do? Well, some Christians run from God, don't they? When they fall into sin, they run from God. They avoid church. When, they, when they've sinned, they don't want to go to church because they feel guilty, because they feel... Um, that they're not good enough, and so on and so forth. And, and they tend to avoid Christians then. They avoid church. And, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the answer to sin in your life is always, always, always to run to God. And the way to be rescued from the wrath of God is to run to God. And the way to be freed from the chastisement of God as a Christian is to run to God. In a phrase, the the way to be saved from God is to run to God. You see, God himself is the safe place from the wrath of God and from the chastisement of God. We're no longer under the wrath of God, but God will chastise us. And when he chastises us, we ought to run right to him, go right back to him. God forgives the penitent sinner and saves him. And God will forgive the penitent saint and restore him. And all of this is possible because of, well, because of Calvary. He can be our hiding place against eternal danger and temporal danger because Jesus has died for us. Charles Spurgeon writes, The gospel of substitution makes him our refuge who otherwise would have been our judge. If not for the cross, God can't be your hiding place. He can't take you in. He can't keep you safe from himself. Because his holy nature demands punishment. Sin must be dealt with. And so God cannot free you from punishment unless there's a cross. Unless Jesus died. Unless he's propitiation. Well, then God can be a hiding place for his people. So thank God for the cross, because otherwise there's no hiding place. Well, that's the first thing. He is a necessary hiding place. Secondly, he's a loving hiding place. A loving hiding place. I'm looking around here. I don't know if any of you will know or remember Mr. John Howie. Anybody know Mr. John Howie? Ellen, I, you raised your hand? No? No? Okay. You were just going like that? Okay. 
Yeah. I, I, so nobody knows John Howie. Oh, well, yeah, there does, of course. Well, Mr. John Howie was one of the founding members at Trinity. And the, when Trinity first met, the very first meeting was in his house. He was a wonderful man. And he used to live on Tyndaga Drive just off Brand Street. And I would go and visit him sometimes when I was young. And uh, he'd, I'd knock on the door because he knew I was coming at that particular hour. And I'd knock on the door and I would hear from inside because he was... Uh, he moved as slowly as I move now, actually. And he, he would say, Carl, come on in. Just like that. It was so fabulously warm and wonderful. I still remember that. I can hear it. I can hear it in my head. Well, uh, that's the warmth of Christian affection. So when you run to this hiding place, when you, when you rush to God... When you seek refuge in the Lord, you rush right into the arms of love. Because you see, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom uh, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, counts no iniquity. Now, that's of enormous significance because that's saying... At the bottom of all this forgiveness is love. The reason the cross has happened, the reason forgiveness has been made possible is because of love. Not because of some requirement, not because God was under any kind of necessity, but simply because he is Yahweh, he's the Lord, he's the covenant-making God and the covenant-keeping God. He's a God who loves his people, and because he loves his people, he makes provision for them so that they might be saved. He makes provision for them so that they might have in him a hiding place. So when you rush to this hiding place, it's a place that is founded by love. Its foundation is love, grace, mercy. These are the wide and warm opening arms of love. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. So there, the focus is not just on the love of God, but all the other attributes of God. Your one safe place in this universe is the name of God. The name of God means all of the, well, the sum total of God's attributes. All the wonderful characteristics of God, his love and his grace and his mercy and his patience and his faithfulness and all those things put together, the name of the, of the Lord, that is your hiding place. And so, yes, the Lord is a loving hiding place for his people. It, I said earlier, it's not that idyllic place where you imagine you'll have a holiday, it's a place that you have to be in to be safe. But it is more than that. He is more than that. He is a loving and a gracious and a kind hiding place for his people. Thirdly, he's a personal hiding place. He's a personal hiding place. We read in verse 7, you are a hiding place for me. Now, for me. Uh, for other people to be sure, they can come and find safety and refuge and peace and calm in you. But it's for me. You are that for me. And 
It might even be better to translate it, you are my hiding place, as the New King James does. You are my hiding place. These possessive pronouns are wonderful in the Christian life. To be able to say, you are my hiding place. You're a hiding place that belongs to me. Spurgeon says, personal claims upon God are the joy of spiritual life. To lay our hands upon the Lord with the clasp of a personal my is delight at its full. So can you say, the Lord is my Lord? Can you say what Thomas did? My Lord and my God. Can you say these things that are said in Psalm 18? Psalm 18. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from my enemies. He is my strength and my God. Later on, we're going to sing In a love which cannot cease, I am his and he is mine. Personal. He is our God. He is your hiding place. Now, why is he your hiding place? Well, he's your hiding place because through the Lord Jesus, a personal relationship has been established. Now, remember this this Yahweh of verse 1, this God, He is infinitely grand and glorious. He's no one to be trifled with. He's no one you can ever understand. You can't have an exhaustive knowledge of him. And even were you to learn about God forever, you'll never come to the end of him. You're going to, if you're a Christian, you'll learn about God forever. I don't know how that works with your mind, how it continues to get filled up and doesn't break I don't know. But it's also even more astonishing to know that you can keep learning about God and you'll never get to the end of him. Because that God is the God who always was and always will be, a God who never began and a God who will never end. He was a God who is never young and he never gets old. That's who our our God is. He is the I am. Now it's that God of whom you can say he's my hiding place. He belongs to me. And I can sing. I rest, pillow my head on the loving breast of God. And I say, he is mine and I am his. That tremendous intimacy. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, whom to know is life eternal. So you know God. You know him personally. You know him intimately. You know his name. It's revealed in the scriptures. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can call him Father. You know his name and and he knows you. He knows your name. He is your personal hiding place. And then thirdly, he's a strong hiding place. He's a strong hiding place. We need that because, uh, well, because we're weak. We need that because... Life can be overwhelming. I'm sure you find that at times life just comes at you in waves. It just 
doesn't stop. It's like the ocean. The waves just, they just keep coming. You stand by the ocean and it just keeps coming and you wait for it to stop and never stops. And sometimes that's how life is and the troubles and just the pressures. I mean, just the pressure of daily life. Nothing extraordinary, extraordinary necessarily, but, but just the constant ongoing pressure of life. And then add to that the troubles of life. And then add to that the tragedies of life. And life in a fallen world can be overwhelming. We need someone who is strong. Because in order to deal with that overwhelmingness of life, we don't have the wherewithal. We don't have the strength. We're weak. We're desperately weak. And so we need to be able to run to a God who is strong. We need to have a refuge that is powerful. We need to have a hiding place that is full of strength so that we can be sustained. Now, these, um, this verse tells us that he will preserve us. You preserve me from trouble. And perhaps not so much from trouble as in trouble, <clears throat> because we do go through trouble. And it's in the trouble that somehow, miraculously, you're able to stand. Somehow, extraordinarily, in the face of overwhelming pressure, pressure that you'd think would bring you to your knees, and somehow you find yourself standing up. You're in a hiding place, you see. And it's a strong hiding place. It's a sturdy one, this hiding place, who is God. And the Lord will, will enable us to stand whether the troubles come as a result of sin, as was the case with David, But it doesn't always come just because of sin. Sometimes it comes because the providence of God. And because that's what God knows is best for us. It's not necessarily chastisement. It may just be sanctification. It may just be the means whereby God is going to make you a better Christian. But the Lord is a strong hiding place and you'll be safe. You'll be able to stand Psalm 61, verse 3 says, For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Sometimes we think of people, we say, well, he's a tower of strength. But in truth, none of us is a tower of strength. Really. But God is. And if you're a Christian, then God is, as Psalm 61 says, a tower of strength against the enemy against sin, against the world, and against the devil, God is your tower of strength. Against the circumstances of life, He is your tower of strength. He injects power and might into you so that you can keep going and press on. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So it's the Most High who is your shelter. This is a tower then, it's a strong tower, it's a strong hiding place, it's far above all the troubles of life, and that's where you can go. The Lord then is a strong hiding place to his people. And then, fifthly, he's a safe hiding place. He's a safe hiding place. There was only one occasion in my life, when I was living in South Africa, just one occasion... Uh, which lives in my memory to this day, when I had to run for my life, literally. And I remember, I remember reaching home. I remember getting to my home. 
It's a tremendous moment. I felt myself to be in great danger and then to get to the house, into the safety of home, the safety of family. Tremendous. When you run to God, now, in my case, it was running down streets and across fields. This running is not physical, it's prayer, isn't it? When you run to the Lord, you're safe. When you run to the Lord and you are embraced in the arms of divine love, then they can't get you. And the world and the flesh and the devil. When you're safe with the Lord, then you're safe from them. They can't get you and the devil can't get his clutches on you. He is a hiding place for his people. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. That's a tremendous idea. You are now surrounded. When you run to God, you're surrounded. But not surrounded by enemies anymore. No, you're surrounded by protection. You're surrounded by perhaps angelic beings. You're surrounded by the armor of God's protection. And that, that protection, uh, there are no problems with it. There, there are no weak spots on the line. You know, there's a there's a line of protection all around you. There's not a spot, not behind you, not to the side, not in front. All around you, God is protecting you. And there's no weak link. There are some weak links. And when and you read about wars and battles, you, you read about weak links and weak spots in the defenses. And the enemy always targets those weak spots. But God has no weak spots when he protects you and he will guard and keep you safe. God is a shelter from the storm. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Psalm 31 and verse 20. So God will keep you safe. God will keep you from all danger. We read... uh, In Psalm 27, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Notice the two wills there. He will hide me. He will lift me. God will do that. He will keep you safe. And notice that it's giving you different images. He will hide you under the cover of his tent. He will lift you high upon a rock. Just different ways to say, you're safe. They can't get at you here. He's a safe hiding place to us. This week, uh, this week uh, Heather texted me and she says she saw a book in the store. Do I want her to get it for me? And um, usually it's like, of course. Um, But then she told me the title of the book. It was called Post-Traumatic Church Syndrome. I thought, well, (laughs) maybe I should get that. (laughs) But then I realized that all of us, uh, well, we don't need that. Because what have we found? Well, we found that God has been a hiding place to us. We don't need a book about post-traumatic church syndrome because God has proven to be a safe place for us. And so 
whatever dangers you face in the world and whatever dangers you might face from the church, God's a safe place for you. That's absolutely astounding. So, yeah, leave that book there for someone else. Maybe some poor soul will, will need that. Uh, but we're good. And then... Uh, Number six, he's a wonderful hiding place. You can't get a better hiding place than the Lord. Um, His strength is unmatched. You see, Psalm 62, verse 11 says, power belongs to God. Just power intrinsically is his. It belongs to him. God never gets stronger. He never gets more powerful. He simply is power. So his his strength is unmatched. His faithfulness is unending. Psalm 100 says, faithfulness, his faithfulness endures to all generations. You will find that the best of Christians at times are unfaithful. Now we are, the best of men are men at best. We know that. But God is never unfaithful. God never doesn't fulfill his promises. He never fails to fulfill his promises. He always stands by his word. You can always, but always trust him. So his faithfulness is unending. He's he's a wonderful hiding place. His watchfulness is unparalleled. Sometimes you hear about terrible things that happen to children, and the mother or the father says, we just turned away for a second. And then, I mean, tragically, they live with that regret. But you see, God never turns away from you even for a second. He never sleeps. You read Psalm 121. God never goes to sleep and says, well, I hope, I hope they're okay until I wake up. No, he never takes his eye off you. He never looks in a different direction. He never forgets about you. He's never fast asleep so as to not have his watchful eye upon you. He keeps us, and he does not slumber. And then his love ensures our safety. This is all, all the wonderful attributes of God that make him such a wonderful hiding place. That's all on our behalf because he loves us. No one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. So you're, you're a Christian, and he's your hiding place. And Jesus says, well, you know, you're safe there, and nobody can come and take you away because he loves you. Well, then lastly, he's a permanent hiding place. It'd be great if he's your hiding place, and it'd be great if he was your hiding place for today, but what about tomorrow? Well, um, he's always... He's our permanent hiding place. I've seen bunkers. Sometimes you see film, you know, of bunkers in the 50s. Everybody in North America was building bunkers. There's some today, too, I guess. But some of them are building, they built bunkers. And and then you see it years later. And, you know, they're overgrown and they've become decrepit and deteriorated and they can't protect anybody. So there's there's a hiding place that isn't worth the money that was put into it. The psalmist says in Psalm 61, verse 4, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. 
So we've taken refuge in God. We've come to Him for shelter in the storm, and that forever. It's always going to be the case. We are permanently His. We've taken up residence in the hiding place, which is God. We are now citizens in that kingdom. We are permanently dwelling in that place. So God then is our refuge, is a necessary, loving, personal, strong, safe, wonderful, and permanent hiding place. That's just wonderful. That's, that's just hard to explain how blessed you and I are. Let me give you three quick lessons and then we'll be done. The first lesson is to run to him to run to him. A shelter is no good unless you run to it. That's just patently obvious. Medicine is is no good unless you take it, and food uh, doesn't give you any nourishment unless you eat. Well, uh, here is a refuge then. The Lord is the strong tower. He's our hiding place, so run to him. Now, what do people run to? What do Christians run to? Christians who have this personal relationship with the Lord, Christians who who are on an intimate relationship with God, what do they run to? Well, they run to friends, for one thing. You know, when trouble comes or situations arise, confusion strikes them and situations confound them, they run to their friends. That's the first resource, the first line of, of um, uh, the first line that they go down in order to be, to be safe. Or, um, or they take refuge in chance. They take refuge in chance. They say, well, you know, chances are this is, not, this is going to be fine. Chances are, you know, statistics say and the research indicates, and, 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 and they take refuge in, in chance and statistics. Or um, they take refuge in ignorance. They just pretend it doesn't, it's not there. Sometimes when there's uh, sometimes a diagnosis, a troubling diagnosis, you just, you just turn away. You just don't think about it. And sometimes when people get diagnosed with a a debilitating health issue and sometimes loved ones have trouble facing that and they they just can't talk about it. What are they doing? Well, we understand what they're doing. They're taking refuge in in ignorance, just trying to block that out. We're not knocking that. We, We understand it. I mean, life is hard. But it is less than optimal. It's not what we ought to do as Christians. We ought to run immediately to God. He's the hiding place. These other things are poor substitutes for God, our hiding place. You run to the Lord. You flee to the Lord. And, of course, this is prayer. Uh, This is coming to God in prayer. This is trusting the Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus. Now, we we forfeit peace so often because we do not run to him in prayer. Because perhaps we run to these other poor substitutes, and they don't really help. 
but God is our refuge. So we ought to run to him and run to him quickly and run to him with strong faith because we know he's delivered us in the past. Secondly, rest in him. So you, you run to him and then you rest in him. David has already experienced in this psalm the joy of God being his hiding place in verses 1 and 2. In his, in his drifting, he's come to a realization of his sin. The Lord has rebuked him. And he's come back to God. He's run to the hiding place. And the Lord has forgiven him. And he's found renewed joy in the Lord. Now he contemplates the future. And as he contemplates the future, he thanks God that God is his refuge and his hiding place. You're a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Because just think of it. Think how David must feel at this point, having been through all he's been through, having fallen as grievously as he's fallen, having humiliated himself as grievously as he has. How do you look forward to the future? I mean, you might be desperate. But he's looking forward with joy. He says that um, you preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. As he moves forward now, he does so with a confidence that, well, the Lord is my refuge. He's my hiding place. And yes, I'm prone to wonder, but thank God he's there. And um, you'll notice that uh, if you have a, a new King James, it'll say, you shall. Do this. You shall do that. You shall preserve me. You shall surround me. And that's probably the idea here. Is that this is what God's going to do. You're my hiding place. So this is what you'll be doing when things arise and when situations confound. You shall do this. And so, you know, we're not worried about the future. In fact, Psalm 112, verse 7 says about the believer, about the one who trusts in God, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. I'm not worried about what is going to come around the corner. Because, you know, the Lord's my hiding place. And I trust in him. So I'm not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting the Lord. Now, it's easier for me to say that to you than for me to be like that. It's easy for me to say, well, you know, you trust the Lord. You won't be afraid of bad news. But frankly, I get fearful of bad news. It's easier to preach this than to do it. I'm not saying it's easy to do it. But I'm saying we ought to. And I'm saying that God is worthy of it. He's worthy of that faith and worthy of that trust. And when we are resting in him and trusting in him, we'll not be afraid of bad news. Through the love of God our Savior, all will be well. So run to him and, and rest in him and, and then read about him. Read about him. Psalm 119 verse 114 says, You are my hiding place and shield. I hope in your word. There's a connection there between enjoying God as your hiding place and what he tells us in the Word. If you want to know more and more of God as your hiding place, and if you want to derive more and more comfort from the reality of God as your hiding place, you need to be in the Word. You need to be 
thoroughly inundated with biblical teaching. You need to be a student of the Bible. You need to marinate your mind in, in the Bible. You read so much of it so that you think God's thoughts after him. And you're familiar with biblical truths. You're at home in the scriptures and, and uh, biblical references and, and terminology and theology just falls off your lips the way it did with Jesus. So you know the Word. And so here in the Bible, God is set forth as your hiding place, your refuge, your strength, your rock, your strong tower, and so on, and so on, and so on. And to know Him is to trust Him. The more you know about God, the more you'll trust Him. The more familiar you are with what the Bible is to say about how great He is and the extraordinary type of commitment He has to you, the love He has for you, the strength He puts at your disposal, the strength that is at work in you, well, the more you'll trust Him. And if you're ignorant of these things, then of course you'll be afraid. But the more you know Him, the more you'll trust Him. So, you read your Bibles, you study your Bible, and you get to know him as profoundly as you possibly can. So how do we respond to this? You are a hiding place for me. How do we respond? Well, we run to him, and we rest in him, and uh, we read all we can about him. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, we're astonished that you should be so good to us as to be a hiding place for us from dangers eternal and temporal. We thank you that uh, you love us so much that you make yourself a safe place for us. We thank you for that. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who died so that this might be true for us, who died so that those who believe in him might find in God, the great God, a hiding place. We thank you for this and pray that you will help us to live as those who are in fact in such a relationship with you. Help us, give us great faith, make us great believers. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.